Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome uh, to another edition of The Call. 10 stocks put to a, an expert panel for their adjudication, all those stocks suggested by you all in an hour between now and 1pm Eastern. Great to have you company on this Thursday. I'm David Gosh. I guide you through the hour and keep our expert panel in check. Sometimes they can get a bit wild and woolly, particularly today's panel. Carl Capolinga from uh, Think Markets. How are you, Carl? You well? <laughs> Yeah, good day, David. A little bit rabid at times, hey, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> over in the west there, enjoying the uh, uh, the luxury of uh, life as usual, unlike uh, John Milroy from Ords and myself. Uh, John, how are you coping with all the lockdowns? Uh, pretty well, David, thank you. Hanging in there okay? Meant not to shave very well, but okay. Yeah, yeah, no, looking very dapper with the, uh, with the beard there and um, with the Zoom calls, I'm always interested in people's backgrounds and everything. You're a very big person on, on notes by the look of your pinup board next to you, um, uh, John. Are they all reminders? It's uh, Mrs. Milroy's office, and I don't get let in here very often, David, but today I've been given special exemption. Um, <laughs> you'll note in the background some photos of the, of the football, and they're all Swans photos, and my, my lovely wife is a mad Swans fan. Ah, oh, love it. Okay, well, yeah. Well, you won't, we, you won't, won't get hold, uh, won't any sympathy from either a West Coast fan in the West or a Port Adelaide fan. Um, so. Or a Pies fan. Uh, what are you? Pies fan. Ah, oh, Pies fan. Oh, wow. God, Carl, that's even worse yeah, than a Swans fan, isn't yeah. it? We're going in the wrong... The trend is not your friend on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a very good uh, technical analogy. All right, you guys, let's get stuck into it. Before we um, uh, look at the 10 stocks that you've suggested the panel look at, I choose a stock of the day, uh, which is one in the news. I thought we'd take a look at Rio Tinto today, smashing out a record first half profit, surging well past $16 billion on booming Chinese demand 
for its Pilbara iron ore. Uh, more than 80% of its bumper profits coming from uh, its iron ore division. This is some welcome news for shareholders with the company set to uh, divvy up Australia's largest interim dividend of uh, $5.61 apiece. Payout represents 75% of Rio's underlying half-year earnings. Um, John, uh, just a stellar, stellar result. What do you think of it? And and uh, Rio's share price at the moment, they did warn that this demand for iron ore was unsustainable going forward, didn't they? They certainly did, David. I mean, that's probably you know, certainly fair enough, given what we um, know that, you know, banging along at record levels and, you know, certainly trying to get to, as close as they can to nameplate um, in terms of terms of production. But you're right, very impressive. Um, you know, we've obviously been tracking the iron ore price for the last six months or so, and that's been borne out in this, this result for them as well. A couple of the positives, obviously, the, uh, the slight bait to consensus, the dividend plus the special, certainly very helpful. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of news around in terms of some of the growth options around Simandu and some of the other Utonkoi um, announcements as well. So not really a lot um, from, from them on that, that sort of commentary. But still, um, you know, they're, they're right to warn that it, it may not last. But for the moment, I think you enjoy the ride as a shareholder and um, the share price today reflects uh, that sort of positive sentiment. OK, so, so it'd certainly be a hold on Rio. Would you be getting into it at these levels or is it the top of the market? No, it's, a, it's actually a buy for us still, David. Um, so $165 price target. You know, that'll be under review again today after this, this result. But, um, you know, I think if you're an existing shareholder, I think you'd be happy to average up here and um, you know, take some of those extra dividends while they're on offer. Okay, and um, happy to get into it as well. Carl, what do you think of uh, Rio? Yeah, look, a, a tremendous result, certainly on the headlines today. Uh, there are some operational issues sort of just bubbling under the service, but I don't think there's anything uh, that, that's going to get exponentially worse there. They're probably manageable, and if anything, um, we, we, we should see some improvement going forward. I think uh, that the key to unlocking um, the, the, the Rio Tinto BHP Fortescue conundrum is, is obviously iron ore prices and what they're going to do. Uh, you mentioned 80% of their, their revenues coming from iron ore. Most brokers are expecting the iron ore price to fall. I mean, it's currently around, you know, 200, give or take US dollars uh, but, a ton. But mo most are expecting it to fall this time last year. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's... And that's, yeah. that's the point I was going to make. I mean, look, I started at Think Markets just over a year ago, David, and uh, and the, the dynamics were roughly the same. Yeah. And the first thing I did when I started here was I slapped a buy on BHP, Rio Tinto and Fortescue, not just because I'm from WA and that's it's compulsory if you're, if you're a WA analyst to do that sort of thing, uh, but because I just saw this huge disconnect between where the brokers had, had factored in their iron ore prices going forward and where the iron spot, spot price was. Now, I'm, I'm under no illusion that the, iron ore, the, the spot price is going to stay where it is. Look, I, I'm also factoring in a decline, but nowhere near as bad as what the brokers are expecting. I mean, brokers are expecting Rio Tinto's profits to decline by 25% each year for the next four financial years. I, I'm, I'm a believer that iron ore prices will stay higher than what they're expecting. I mean, I think it could get back into the into the low to mid 100s, but it's not going to be a hundred, sub 100, which is what many are expecting. So as long as, you know, markets factor in, uh, markets are, are all about expectations. And I think Rio is going to surprise to the upside with its earnings going forward because 
um, oh, no, pricing won't be as bad as what, what many brokers are thinking. So on that basis, that I think that, you know, there's it, kind of this worst case scenario fact in and already anything better than that provides upside. Uh, I'm going to retain that buy that I have today. I still think you can buy it. And I don't think you can go past this 12% dividend yield. I know there's some specials in there, but why can't they mm. continue to sort of um, lob yeah. in a couple of specials every now and then as well? So no, it's, it's still a, a hold if you've got it. And I'd, I'd still be buying it as a, as a core portfolio holding if you don't. Yeah, and and um, Carl, is is the share price priced on a reflection of two hundred and twenty dollars a share for iron ore, or is it priced on that one fifty or one twenty yeah. that a lot of the analysts or even lower think it will be over the next year? Yeah, it's, it's definitely priced on the latter. So as we uh, get further and further down the track. And the, and, and the spot prices are staying above those levels, the, the brokers uh, then will have to come out and, and increase those estimates to, to, to narrow the gap, as it were. And, and that just changes their valuation metrics for, for Rio Tinto. And um, those price targets just keep getting ratcheted higher and that facilitates share price gains as well. Yeah, okay, fascinating. All right, let's get into uh, the 10 stocks that you want us to have a look at. And um, John William, Wants a view on uh, Orica, the uh, big explosives company, um, uh, right around the world. Yeah, it's a it's a hold for us, David. Um, target price around thirteen dollars or so. It's been certainly through the ringer in the last twelve months, um, hasn't it? You know, been, been as high as eighteen dollars, and then with the change of CEO and some asset sales as well, as seen the share price you know peel off um, substantially, and also the the challenges they face at the moment with uh, demand. Um, some, some of the costs, um, the, the, sorry, the, the price they're receiving are a touch lower as well. It's uh, a hold from John. Carl, uh, what do you think of Orica? It's, a, it's an yeah. ugly chart. It is. A, it's an awful looking chart. And um, as John was, was saying, he was talking about uh, thermal coal volumes and export volumes. And uh, China uh, you know, put a, an import ban on our, our coal heading over there. And, uh, you know, that... Um, meant there was less demand for Orica's products, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, they produce things that that blow up other things effectively. So obviously used in the mining uh, process. Uh, so so it did um, take a big, big whack out of their um, earnings for last year. But, you know, uh, thermal coal prices have recovered uh, from that. In fact, if anything, um, that, that action by China sent thermal coal prices through the roof. Um, because there was they had less coal uh, coming into China, obviously from 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 Australia. Um, we, the, the, you know, the coal producers seem to have found other avenues um, for that coal: India, South Korea, and uh, and Taiwan. Look, uh, long story short, here I, I think that the, 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 there are tailwinds behind uh, Orica going forward from that improvement and just a general improvement in 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 the mining sector uh, more generally because of where we are in the cycle. So again, getting back to why I think iron ore prices are going to stay high. I just think where we are in the cycle with with low interest rates and, and economic growth, global economic growth likely to improve, not deteriorate, um, I, I think Orica is in the right place. Uh, from a valuation perspective, John said, look, they're pretty well valued. I, th I agree with that. I think they're, they're probably closer to good value than they are to fair value. That's attractive. But I get to the point where the chart, I get to the chart and I just have to say that uh, the chart looks horrific at this point in time. It doesn't look like there's any end in sight. I'm just going to try and find some levels uh, for William here. Yeah. Maybe he can Ma hang on to, if, but uh, um, it, it looks like it's going lower. Yeah, Cordy, can you bring up that five-year chart again? Because I was going to ask you about that, that, Carl. It looks as though it's heading down to, te down to test the, the five-year lows. See there? Yep. 
there we go there over yeah, five years. Is that is that an important point? Yeah, bumping along. So what we're seeing here is, um, you know, there, there are periods where people, where investors get enthusiastic about it, but each time that enthusiasm hits the market, it doesn't rally as high. And then whatever, you know, the, the negatives hit and then we go a bit lower. And then every time we rally, we don't get as high. So, you know, that shows us that demand is diminishing as we're going along. And if anything, supply is building. And they're not great demand supply dynamics for price. Price is a function of, of demand and supply. So what I've said is, you know, is it the right stock? Yeah, I think it probably is. Is it the right price? It probably is. But is it the right time to buy? And that's the key component to investing is getting your timing right. And the chart is saying, um, despite the first two uh, ticks, you have to just wait and see on this. Unfortunately for William, I think it's going to go lower. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, so uh, certainly not from uh, from John and Carl. John, we've got, got you back. Uh, Rich uh, wants a view on Navigator Global Investments, the uh, basically the, the Australian holding company of Lighthouse Investment Partners uh, based in the US, big, uh, big hedge fund manager. What do you think of Navigator Global? Yeah, it's certainly one of our strong picks, David. It's one that we really like here. It's, um, it's a strong buy for us. Um, price target's around $2.40, um, currently about one seventy-five or so today. Um, you know, they've had a pretty good performance in the last quarter or so, um, although they had a few outflows, but um, still um, an improvement for them as well in terms of the net performance numbers. You're right, it's a bit of a different uh, um, exposure, um, alternative assets um, through that US lighthouse business. And, um, you know, we think they can continue to grow here with some strong um, assets under management growth and also some strong performance too, having done had a, a very good investment team. So, you know, one, one we'd happily pick up here. Mm, okay. Um, Carl, what do you think of Navigator? Yeah, so I always try and bring it back to is it the right stock at the right price at the right time? Um, I, I think it's a very interesting company. I'm not sure if it's the right stock. There certainly are some tailwinds, obviously, with you know investment markets doing very well. Having said that, they're not a regular sort of uh, fund manager where um, they do well when everything goes up because they, they run hedge funds. So hedge funds are long short. And, you know, as helpful as that is when markets crash, it's not great in a rampaging bull market, which is what we're seeing now. So if you look at this sort of average returns uh, since inception on their funds, it's around about six, six and a bit percent, which is way, way below the S&P 500. Um, and they've got higher volatility. But I don't think that's a fair benchmark for them. I think you need to compare them against other hedge funds indexes, which, in fact, they're beating. And that explains why they are attracting extra assets under management. Uh, and, and there's a pretty good underlying business there in terms of their cash flows and their profits. Dividend yield of about 7% is also very attractive. Um, I think um, I think John mentioned a target of about $2.40. We're at about $2.20 on this one. Mm. Uh, the stock's at about $1.80. So there's still some upside there. So, um, look, I, I think it's a great company. I think it's um, a great price. But again, I have to pull it back to the chart. The chart's not terrible, but it's not screaming by just yet. So look, it's holding pretty well. It's starting to turn out of that long-term downtrend and, and making these early signs of a long-term uptrend. But I just think it's a little bit too early uh, for me and, and think markets clients to get involved. However, if you had it, um, then I would certainly hang on to it on that uh, valuation basis. Okay. All right, John, um, do you compare Navigator to Magellan? Is it, is it a fair comparison in the sector or are they they different beasts? Yeah, I think that's probably um, more, more uh, like it, David. They're, they're very different types of companies. Um, you know, you've got uh, Magellan, which of course is you know, much, much larger um, and of course invests in, you know, more traditional assets rather than the alternatives like, uh, like Lighthouse with those um, alternative asset managers and hedge fund type 
they run. So it's a financial services company, that's true, um, but you are buying two very different businesses if you're looking at right. holding um, Navigator versus Magellan. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go on to our next stock that's been put up. And um, John, your view on Steadfast, the uh, the big insurance broking network, uh, basically a roll up of insurance brokers, hasn't it? And the other one in the sector, AUB, yep. is it? Is the other uh, um, uh, one that a lot of people compare it with? What do you think of Steadfast? Yeah, so it's an accumulate for us, David. Price target four seventy six. Um, been around a while now, and that roll up business has proved uh, pretty successful for them. They're seeing um, an improvement in life insurance, which is certainly very helpful for them as well. Um, they've got some operational leverage, you know, the, the higher um, turnover um, with, the, with the lower fixed costs um, certainly helps them as well. Okay, all right, um, Carl, um, that is a good-looking chart, isn't it? Both the five-year and, and the one-year, they've had a stellar twelve months. Yeah, they have, and you know, look, charts are just simply a reflection on earnings growth. Uh, and future earnings growth as well. So the end of the chart, where the end of the chart is on that far right hand side, is effectively uh, predicting, uh, you know, what the earnings are going to be down the track. But if you look at the historical performance, um, you know, this this company has grown its uh, its revenues and its earnings per share uh, every year for the last five years. So you know that speaks to how well it is run, and I guess also um, the stability of the industry they're in. So I think this is a, a really sort of, again one of those core holdings where uh, you know you've got this well run business. You can sleep at night. You're not going to wake up tomorrow, and it's going to be half price because you know uh, something terrible happened uh, at a mine, or or, or they you lost a contract or something. So yeah. I think I think you know, there, there's some value in that for for the for that type of investor. So self-managed super fund investor. It's not. I don't think it's the cheapest stock out there. I think it's you know trading at 440. We've got a target of 475. So there's a little bit of upside there, but not exactly screaming bargain. I think you're you're paying a premium. But just how good this one is, but based upon uh, the quality, um, the, the valuations, you know, still got something in it, and the chart is bottom left, top right, which you know I love. Um, I'm definitely going to um, retain a buy on this one. Okay, all right. Uh, John Ben wants a view on Goodman Group, the uh, the big property uh, developer slash fund manager, mainly in that industrial side, uh, regarded for a long time as as the leader in that sector. Oh, and, and rightly so, David. All right, we might uh, reconnect with you again there, but you've got a, a buy on Goodman, Carl. What, a, what about you? Um, it's um, just steamed along over the last 12 months and, and last five years. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think uh, you just looking at that chart on screen now, I think you know what I'm going to say about this one. Um, yeah. Look, it's one we've had a buy on for, uh, I think it was August last year, we put a buy on it. Um, I, I've, I think I've covered this three times on the show with you, Koshi, and each time yeah. I've said, you've, you've just got to own it. And the reason for that is, is it is just such a high quality stock and it's got um, just so many tailwinds behind it. And um, there was this quote, uh, I was again looking through the latest update they had last evening, uh, maybe I'm going to find it. Here we go. Um, they, they said, quote unquote, this was the March quarter update, and uh, I highlighted this um, to, to mention today. And they said that they provide essential real estate infrastructure. I just thought that was a really neat way of saying they're not just a real estate fund, but they're providing, you know, the infrastructure uh, really for, not just for not just within terms of real estate, but uh, for um, for e-commerce. 
just for, for business and just getting things done. So, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a rapidly growing area, a crucial part of the economy. They've got um, a huge moat around them in terms of uh, how much money um, you know, people are just throwing at them to, to continue to invest. Uh, and um, their locations are, are, are premium in terms of where they're, you know, they're, they're creating uh, this real estate infrastructure. Uh, I've probably gone on too long uh, to yeah, get now, to the what point is, where I just say, look, you, you, you just want to... What is the want, secret oh, of it, their it, success, though? <laughs> With a company like that, sort of both you and John are saying, sector leader, um, yep. You'd look at the chart and go, oh, gee, is it getting a bit overvalued, a bit high? Well, it's, it's, but it, is, it isn't cheap, though. That, that's the thing, though. It's, yeah. It is not a, a cheap stock either. I mean, I'd almost say that it's uh, it, it's getting on uh, on the wrong side of fair value, but it, it just, it's just quality. Again, it's, it, so they keep delivering say, um, to match it. They, they do keep de- delivering, but but the growth, there's enough growth in there, I think, just enough to ju- justify it, but it's just quality. So, again, it's so if you're um, looking to get something that's going to double tomorrow, it's not that sort of thing. But if you want something as a core portfolio holding in your self-managed right. super fund that you don't have to worry too much about, this is the type of stock that you put in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're quite right. That's how to look at your, your self-managed super fund portfolio is that you have, what, eight core, eight or core yeah. 10 stocks and then you go for the growth in, in the other half. Exactly. You have a few that you're hoping to shoot the lights out on, but they have you know, very small allocations within your portfolio. The, you know, and again, just trying to find the right investor for the right company. And that's that's the key for, for any analyst um, is, is to do that. So, yeah, I, I, every time I, I have a pick on this show, I have to say who that it, who yeah. uh, or what type of investor. Which is what we love. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We love you doing that because it points out, you know, there are different stocks for different times and different sorts of portfolios. And uh, it's really important. Love the way how, how you explain that to us. Um, Let's go on to our next stock. This is probably something a bit different, maybe not a core one. And I think it's the first one time, <coughs> excuse me, it's actually come up, Midway, uh, which is a forestry company based in Geelong and it's in the, the wood fibre market. What do you think of Midway? Yeah, look, uh, I, honestly, I hadn't heard of this one either, Koshi, until uh, yeah, I got the email yesterday from Claudia. <laughs> And uh, look, it looks very interesting. They they have uh, recently had some uh, price increases for their products. The company, you know, their sort of rhetoric is that demand is improving. It's 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 likely to continue to be very strong. Strong demand out of Japan, where um, finished product inventories are very low, so that creates you know plenty of latent uh, demand for them down the track. Uh, China is also a very strong market for them. <laughs> Um, so basically, uh, you know, during COVID, all right, if you, if you, well, I guess if you blew your nose anyway, I mean, you probably did it on uh, you know, a tissue that, that was sourced ultimately uh, from, uh, you know, Midway Plantation. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I think there's there's uh, definitely an investment case there. Um, the chart actually looks quite interesting. It's kind of, um, it's it's been, you know, 2020 wasn't a great year because of um, COVID impacts. But it, just on looking forward, again, markets look forward, they don't look back. So, yes, um, last year was was pretty bad for them. But I think things are turning around. The chart's reflecting that. So it's just scraping itself off the bottom. Um, there's a little bit of volume coming into the into the chart now, which is telling us that there's the interest is back in there. So people that may have been waiting uh, uh, to see some good news come through uh, and for that outlook to improve, they're, they're starting to come into the market. They're just pushing up prices. And when it goes up, it goes up more than when it pulls back. Because, you know, things go up, people take profits. But when they take profits, the, the price is coming back far less than when it's pushing up. So um, I think it's a little bit more of a specky buy. I think it's more of a high-risk buy than, say, obviously, a, a Goodman Group. But I'd actually be happy to buy it, buy it 
around here um, as a smaller portion of its self-managed super fund. It, it does look a bit illiquid. Is that, that an issue? It is. Uh, it, it is if you are if you are huge. <laughs> I mean, if you're right. if you're only buying, you know, a relatively small amount, probably not issue. If you're, um, right. I don't know, you know, if, you, if you're huge, if you're a big elephant, it's you've, you're going to have an impact. And but uh, look, for, I think for the average person, uh, be patient with your your approach, and uh, I think you'll be okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we've got John back. Uh, no, we're still trying to reconnect with John. There. Let's uh, just recap. Uh, the first five stocks, um, Rio, a buy from both uh, Carl and uh, John. Orica, a hold from, uh, from John, a no from Carl. Uh, Navigator, a yes from John, a uh, hold from Carl. Both like Steadfast um, at these levels. Uh, Goodman, a yes. And Midway is a speculative buy, the, uh, the big forestry um, company from uh, from Carl. All right, uh, here at the call, we uh, have been tracking our own portfolios since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Uh, any stock that gets two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. Let's check to see how we've been going. Uh, for the week, we're up just under 1% uh, so far this month. Uh, we're up 1.39% and year-to-date since the 1st of July up 0.88%. Um, and uh, some of the stocks recently added uh, Global Data Centre Investment Fund, uh, Strike Resources, Venturix Resources, Galaxy and Flight Centre. And some of the stocks removed Evolution Mining, Premium and McMahon. Uh, you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, joining us this afternoon, we talk the property sector uh, with uh, the uh, head of property at IWF, Simon Gross. That's from 1.30 here on um, Osbiz. That's 1.30 Eastern. All right, uh, let's move on, uh, Carl. Our next stop, sticking with the... Uh, uh, the building materials sector construction. Uh, James Hardy um, has been sort of the leader in that uh, that sector for a while. Um, much preferred over Boral. I'm not sure whether that's that's changed of late. Uh, but what do you think of James Hardy? Uh, yeah, look, I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of things going on at Boral at, at the moment. So yeah, um, yeah let, let's see where the, the dust settles there. But uh, just looking at, you know, <laughs> straight up, uh, no uh, corporate, uh, you know, activity uh, building play. I think James Hardy uh, is, is the pick. Uh, you know, it's got great exposure to the US and that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because uh, the recovery there has been a little bit uh, lumpy. Um, but I think if you take a longer term view on this one, I, I still think we're, we're closer to the beginning um, of, of that recovery than the end. And again, just just tailwinds and just right time of the cycle for, for James Hardy. Um, I don't think it's particularly uh, expensive here. I mean, I've got a target of around about that $50, just over $50. So it's you know currently around about 46. So there's a bit of upside there. Yep. Uh, and that kind of, again, uh, links back to uh, last time I was on Koshi, we were doing the life-changing stocks, right? So yep, yep. Um, those are stocks which you think are going to, there'll be 10 or 20 baggers. So on James Hardy, I think there's 10% upside, you know, over the next 12, 12 months. Um, but I think there's very little risk 
in achieving that 10%. It's, it's, it's well run and I think it's the right place in the cycle. So again, matching the right investor, it's more of a self-managed super fund core holding than somebody looking to double or triple their money uh, by next week. It's just not that right. sort of a stock. But but I, but look, we, we've had a buy on it for a considerable amount of time. I can't see my notes here and I'm happy to, um, to stick with that at this stage. Okay. I'm still a buy. Because um, the US operation was sort of Borel's undoing. Um, James Hardy seems to have seems to have got it right um, and but also their last trading update they did make a point of saying that their input costs and labor costs were going up yes. more than they expected is that is that a concern uh well Yes and no. Yes. So anytime you see uh, input costs rising as an analyst, you, your ears prick up and you always, you know, your senses, you know, you, you're always on alert. Uh, but yeah. if you look at where their, their pricing is, there is still some flexibility to pass that on to consumers right. okay. uh, at the moment. So I think they'll be able to balance that out. Margin Margins actually improved uh, over the last six months. And I think you know you'll you, you'll see steady margins uh, going forward. So yes, input costs, but balanced out by price increases. Okay, all right, and uh, and the fact they got America right, and that housing boom in America is really starting to pick up pace, isn't it? Where as the economy rebounds. Yeah, well, it's not just a housing boom; it's it's re there's a renovation boom. So yeah. um, there was a stat there: 40 million US houses that are over a certain age that you know are, are probably going to require renovations over the next you know uh, so however long. Um, right. But you know, even look even look back locally here, there's a renovation boom certainly going on here in my home home state of WA. Um, I've just literally told uh, the plasterer to put his tools down uh, at the moment because uh, he's he's doing our kitchen. So it's it's, it's you know it's still all happening. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're in the thick of it. Good luck with that. Uh, Absolutely. We'll hear your war stories in a month or two. Uh, all right. <laughs> our next doctor I have a look at is Aussie Broadband, the uh, the telco, um, which is only hasn't been listed that long, has it? And uh, it um, internet service provider provides VoIP and mobile. Um, really had a, a lot of the analysts have a good rap on it because of the quality of its customers it's tried to go for that premium big user customer yeah look i mean it, you've probably seen the ads and they really promote themselves on the basis of their customer service uh, they do have uh, great customer attention as in you know their churn rate is under two percent which i think and I, look honestly i don't know the stat i probably should know this but if i was if i was telstra or i was optus uh, if I had a churn rate of less than two percent, I think I'd be pretty happy, and You'd that's be happy, just me yep. pulling, pull, yeah, pulling numbers out, out out of the air. But um, no, look, I mean they're certainly delivering on their promise of, of superior customer service, but you know that that's all um, headlines and marketing and gimmicks. Underneath that, um, there is a really strong business and a really um, rapidly growing business as well. Uh, they have had a few issues recently on the back of um, just the NBN, just the, just the NBN getting its act together because uh, they need those connections to continue to grow so that then they can obviously um, grow their connections as well. And maybe that's just taken some of the gloss of the share price. We can see after a period of, of you know, some pretty strong appreciation through the back half of uh, 2020 and early 2021, it's starting to just go a little bit sideways. 
that concerns me a little bit, but um, yeah, it probably puts me on the sideline, just that, that period of consolidation. I, I don't think it looks terrible as in, as in that uptrend is being threatened, but until I, you know, I'm going to wait until I see that positive momentum return before I then put my money or recommend my clients uh, put their money into it. So it's in a bit of a holding pattern. If you had it, absolutely hold on to it because of the quality of the business. And, and I think it's pretty um, well priced here as well. I don't think it's expensive by any stretch. Uh, but if you're looking to buy it, I think you need to wait until we see a little bit more positive momentum, probably around that $3 mark. So if it sure. starts to print three, then you start to put a little bit of money in. If it then starts to break to a new high, you then add to that position as well. You don't have to get all in at once. You know, you get a little bit in, uh, see how that goes, and then add, add to a winning position. Um, an interesting one um, we've got now is uh, over the wire. I, I hadn't heard of this one before either, Carl. Uh, and thank you to our viewers yep. for, for sending... Uh, these sorts of companies in it makes us have a look at them. What do you think of Over the Wire? Uh, yeah, look, I like I like the business. Um, there's a very strong business there. We're sort of you know looking at sort of mid-teens growth um, uh, that we're expecting down the track. Um, I don't think it's all that expensive. I've got a target. I'm just looking at my notes here of, of about five dollars compared to where it's trading now in about four forty. Um, yeah, I mean, so so we're obviously talking about a, another. Um, effectively with more telecommunications, but uh, they do a lot of uh, cloud services as well. Um, uh, they'll, they'll handle your internet, they'll do your, your VoIP uh, as well. So uh, again, um, aimed at sort of businesses, whereas Aussie Broadband is, is aimed at uh, business and, and retail as well. Uh, but yeah, look, a sound business, not expensive. And then I kind of get to the third part where I go, is it the right time to buy? And I have to say, I'm a little bit concerned at this point on the chart. Uh, what was a really solid trend you can see on, on screen now, sort of from the mid uh, 2019, really until current. So, you know, a couple of uh, good years of, of, of growing share price. Um, I'm just looking at the end, it's just starting to look a little bit, little bit uh, worrisome because the, uh, we can't see on screen the candles. So the Japanese candlesticks, uh, David, it's not something you put in the middle of your dining room table. Uh, right. This is the the the, the, the you know the, the 300 year old uh, charting technique. And what we're seeing here on the chart is a lot of black candles coming in. So that indicates that uh, when the company opens, uh, from where it opens to where it closes, we're seeing sustained selling during the day. And uh, what we know over the period of time that these candles are developing is that the broader market, the, you know, the ASX 200, has been making new records. So that always worries me when you've got the index making new records and yet you've got these black candles coming in on, on a particular stock because uh -huh. the market tends to open higher the stock tends to open higher with the market because of all you know the positivity but then by the end of the day it's trading lower again so that tells me that there is a, a fund or an investor or, or, or a couple of investors that are targeting this one there's a basket of shares they need to sell uh, and they've got a certain date and a certain price above which they they need to do it and so they're targeting strength and then they're selling to that strength during the day and it is just eroding the strength of that uptrend and here's a little bit of a maybe a hint as to what that might be they had about a million shares come out of escrow on the um on the first of july right and if you look at the chart that's just about where those black candles start so uh, you know people that have been sucking it for a few years um they're obviously in for, for, for a much lower price because i think they were um uh, they bought another company those that company was that the, the owners were given shares and naturally they want to take some profits so there's about a one million share overhang on a company that trades about thirty thousand shares a day um, wow. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to sell all those shares, but it could take a considerable period of time to work through that supply overhang, in which time you're probably not going to get a great return. And I know I've talked too long about this, but maybe there's no, some educational no. content in there. 
But there, for that reason, despite it being a good company at a, at a reasonable price, the chart is telling me it's not the right time to buy. Right. And so uh, shares coming out of escrow would be shares that have been owned by founders or um, the owners of a company that they bought. And they said, we'll buy your company, we'll pay you in shares, but hey, you can't sell those shares for two years or whatever. That's right. You have to hold on for a particular period. Um, yeah. You need to keep some skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, but after that, then you can uh, start to crystallize. You know, hey, look, you know, um, there are. It's 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 it doesn't doesn't mean the people that are selling doesn't they don't necessarily think that this is a bad company. Um, they just want to pay for that new new Porsche or you know the the, the renovation <laughs> or, their or, tax or the bill. new boat. <laughs> yeah, or the or the tax bill. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, the, the, look, they've 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 been thinking about crystallising this profit for a considerable period of time. All the wonderful things they're going to do with it, and it's got nothing at all to do with how yep. good or how, how bad over the wire is. Yep. So don't look at that as a bad thing. Yep, we've um, uh, just talked about a couple of uh, telcos in Aussie broadband and over the wire. The big behemoth. Um, speaking of that that market, Telstra. that sector, Telstra. Do you have? Do you have a view on Telstra at the moment? <laughs> I think Telstra looks great. I mean, I think, uh, and I, you know, I've <laughs> I've been an analyst now um, for about fifteen years, uh, talking on 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 screens like I am now, and I think I've called Telstra as a buy maybe three times over those fifteen years. Oh, wow. uh, but I actually I actually think it looks really good. Again, it's not a change your life sort of stock, but as as a, you know, as a, as as a, as, a, as a portfolio holding and your self managed super fund, yeah, look, I'd be happy to buy that as well. Oh, that's interesting. Um, do you do that based on the charts, or we've we've had a couple of analysts here say, "Hey, the rationalisation of Telstra has got to come hiving off uh, the wires and poles. That's got to come along, and they're starting to get their digital and mobile right." Is that is that yeah, what's driving? Yeah, look, I think yeah, absolutely. I think the sum of the parts is worth more than the whole, and uh, there's some really neat little little bits within Telstra that. Uh, once they're, they're they're left to stand on their own, I think that they're going to be worth significantly more than what they are worth within Telstra. And as a shareholder, you get the benefit of that when it all occurs. So you need to own Telstra shares now to, to get a piece of that uh, when when these yeah. you know little little shakeups eventually uh, hit. Okay. All right. The next stock we've uh, been asked to have a look at is Top Shelf International Holdings, and uh, I hadn't heard of it before, and I thought, oh, this is Terrific. There's got to be a, a liquor business. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, probably isn't, but it is. Uh, only recently listed, um, um, has um, listed to actually invest in uh, their whiskey production and whiskey maturity um, at the moment. And um, the reports financial update was actually pretty good for a, a new company. Yeah, look, fascinating business. And uh, as an analyst, uh, an absolute conundrum uh, to value because there's no profits at the moment. Um, they're very much uh, making making the stuff. So this stuff is sitting in barrels distilling because you need it to do that to, to produce a, pr a premium uh, product. So there's, there's, uh, there's no cash flows and not expected to have a profit until FY24. Uh, and if you're basing it upon what they're probably going to earn in FY24, they're, I think they're crazy expensive, something like uh, 50 times those earnings. And then there's all that risk that's involved to get there because, okay, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, 
uh, a stock is trading on 50 times earnings now, but to say it's trading on 50 times earnings in FY24, well, you, you've got all this execution risk between now and FY24 to even achieve those that, that really, really high valuation. But here's the but, uh, and this is where the conundrum comes. They, they've got this incredible amount of, of, of liquor in these barrels. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking um, by, by 2026, they reckon they could have $500 million worth of the good stuff sloshing around in these barrels. Now, that doesn't mean that they can necessarily sell it or sell it for what they think they can get for it. Uh, but this stuff has value, David, because, uh, you, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit like myself on a Saturday evening yeah, when I'm sitting at home watching that. the TV. Yeah, because I, I very rarely go out on Saturday night and given my stage of life. <laughs> uh, but I might have, I might pour, pour, pour a small, a small pour of one uh, and 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 just and just uh, watch watch whatever whatever's on TV, right? So on Netflix. Um, so it's worth something. Uh, but then, how do you how do you bring that back to to, to how you value the company? Five hundred million worth of inventory off an eighty-three million market cap. So uh, it's either the bargain or the century, or it's way too expensive. And uh, given that, I, I, I can't really give viewers uh, uh, what to do on this. And that's where the chart comes in. So fortunately, as an analyst, I can always fall back on my technical analysis yeah. and say that the chart doesn't look too bad. I mean, it's had a huge bounce off 150. Uh, that was based upon that announcement you discussed earlier where they said, hey, look, we're, we're rapidly increasing the value of the stock that we have. Um, and the market did like that announcement. But it's... It, it hasn't really got it back to even its issue price, which is around about that 220. Um, I do expect there's probably going to be a bit of an overhang there at 220 because the people that got in at 220 were probably a, pre, a little bit nervous when it got to 150, and some of them might just say, "Hey, look, it's a bit too, it's a bit too out there for me," and I might just take my money and go do something else else with it. So it's a little bit stuck in the middle. I think 150 is tremendous support. I think 220 is probably tremendous supply, uh, and therefore, uh, if you've got it, maybe there's a, there's a reason to own it to hold on to it. If you don't have it. Uh, I think there are simpler, simpler investments out there in the market. Yeah, that, that craft brewing, craft distilling sector is is being pretty active on on the market, hasn't it? Uh, you've got uh, what is it, Lark? I think is the other uh, yes, yeah. big right. distilling group, and then you've got Mighty Craft, uh, which invests in uh, craft brewers and. Uh, craft gin makers and and gives them capital for for for, for shares and they do all the marketing. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a it's a really dynamic space and and people's tastes are changing. So you know, it wasn't that long ago if you went out and bought a slab of beer, you bought you bought Victoria Bitter or so you know <laughs> or something similar. And if you you went out and bought bought you know uh, a whiskey, it was probably you know Johnny Walker or something, right? Um, right. But uh, there are some great new. Uh, funky and innovative um, uh, brands and products out there. And of course, David, they're not appealing to, to myself and yourself. They're appealing to a much younger yeah. younger audience uh, that, that are looking for these uh, this differentiation. Uh, so it is a very, very exciting um, segment of the market. Um, you mentioned Lark Distilling. We really, really like that one uh, as well. Uh, and I, you know, if I had to pick between uh, the two, I'd probably definitely go in that direction than this one. It's probably just a little bit too early for this one. Yeah, you'd uh, stick uh, with what, sorry? Lark, Lark just All right, stick with Lark, yeah. LRK is the ticket code. Yeah, yeah, it's had some uh, really good reports from some of the brokers that have been following it. Um, our final stock, Carl, to take a look at Pacific Smiles, the um, the roll-up. We talk, talked about Steadfast before in terms of rolling up insurance brokers. This is a roll-up for dentists, isn't it, for dentistry? 
Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, look, it's a really um, well-run business. Again, rapidly expanding. They're doing something we all need, and and, and I like those dynamics. Uh, I, yeah, and they were going so well. I mean, they, 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 the, I say we're going so well because these these lockdowns uh, that we're experiencing right now, and with Sydney probably extinct now uh, until the end of August, uh, it's going to have an impact on on them now. Yes, you still need to go to the dentist, but a lot of that um, uh, that that uh, discretionary sort of spend mm. there. Um, well, what's the word I'm, I'm going to look, uh, well, I'm looking for? Well, in the you go, sector, they, they call it. You, the, uh, you the go to the dentist stuff. if you if you've got something wrong in a lockdown. Exactly. You wouldn't go to the dentist just for a checkup, would you? Yes. So, so it's changing so a bit. It's it's going to put a major dampener on their um, your first half of FY22, and the markets. I think reflecting that in 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 the chart. So we're we're seeing um, a real flattening out of their trend. I mean, if you if you look again, we look at the chart similar to um, the other one we looked. I can't remember, but it, you know, great rally from sort of late 2019 into current, and then really just flattening out at at the moment. Um, again, those black candles are coming in. That's worrying me. It's showing that there's just this nagging seller in the system uh, that I'm a little bit concerned about, and we are challenging some of those long-term trends. So whilst I think it's a great business with good growth prospects going forward, we've got a little bit of a hiccup uh, in, in the interim because of um, these lockdowns, and I think that's just enough for me just to stay on the sidelines uh, for the time being. I think if you had it, hold it on the basis of all the great things I've talked about, but it's not one I think I'd be buying right yeah. now. So that would be the same for one three hundred smiles as well, the other the other similar business in in this sector. Yeah, look, I must admit I haven't looked at that one specifically, so I might have to yep. um, defer defer to another yep. time on that one. Yeah. Um, just quickly before we go, your view on the market at the moment, how's it looking from the charts, the, the actual trend in the market? Is it still strong? Yeah, look, I think I still think it's it's really strong. Um, and let me, I'll pull up a chart for you today, uh, for today's chart, uh, David. This is a great thing yeah. about a technical analyst, isn't it? I can just grab your chart yeah. on anything and tell you <laughs> tell you what I think. Um, but it, no, look, look, the trends are very much intact. Uh, you know, short-term trend is still up, long-term trend is, is still up. We talked about the, the importance of those candlesticks before, and, and, and I get concerned by lots of black candles. What's well, got it the other way on, on the on the broader A600 index? We're seeing lots of white candles coming in. So that speaks to a lot of accumulation in the market. When the market is down, because, you know, the, the American markets went very good, um, you know, we're opening low, but then we're closing high. And the only way that can happen is if, if there is what I call this latent demand sitting in the system this cash that is on the sidelines right. and, and let me tell you david if you've got lots of cash it's hurting right now because it's not earning you a great deal of return yeah. uh, and then you look at dividend yields like 12 percent in rio so the cash is working its way in it doesn't want to do it all at once because that's going to push prices too far too high too quickly uh, and the fund managers don't want to see that so they want to see a slow burn uh, and, a, and, and a gradual trend high where they can get themselves set yeah. uh, and that is what we're seeing right now so no i'm definitely a, a bull on the market i've been a bull for a considerable period of time yeah. and happy to stay that way see a lot a lot of our, our panels when they talk about a stock they go oh well a bit too high for me uh, i would be interested on a pullback and what you're saying is that when the market does pull back you've got a lot of people on the sideline going hey, this is what I was waiting for. Now's the time to make your move, which gives you confidence in the market going forward. Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's two sides to that coin. So no, and this is why I tell my clients, you know, waiting for this pullback, I, I just think that's such a risky game because what you end up doing is you just end up watching the market going up and you're still in cash. Right. So you have to, you, I, I know, and I, I listen to Osby's religiously, David, it's always on in the corner here right. of my room. 
but and I, and I hear what you're saying. I hear so many analysts come in saying that uh, we want to see a dip, we want to see a dip, we want to see a dip. And the problem is, if you don't see that dip, then they get desperate yep. and they have to put money in as well. Yep. Um, now, I think you just you just constantly got to be looking for the right stocks, um, getting some money in into the market if you've got that bullish overall picture. Because I think waiting yep. for those pullbacks sometimes you just you just don't get them. And so often, particularly on the call. And this is why I love our panels, because so often they'll say, look, I've been waiting for a pullback on, on this stock for three years. I yeah. wish I hadn't waited three years ago because I've just missed the run. Yeah. Remember what I said before? I said, you know, you don't have to get in all at once. I mean, that mentality yeah. is I'm waiting for a bargain and I'm going to put all my money in. Uh, you know, I think uh, apply your, your, your capital in tranches get some skin in the game so that if it does go up, you don't miss out. But if it yeah. does come back and you do get that opportunity to buy it at a better price, um, you know, you, you, you can still do that. So you, yeah. you never be all in and you don't have to be all out either. Yeah. Uh, and brokerages are so low these days, David. Hey, we're at $8 flat rate, as big as you like at Think Markets. There's the plug. Yeah. Um, so, so why not? You know, hint sponsored as well. Um, but, but why not take advantage of, of, of these? You don't have to be all in and all out yeah. at once. Yep, yeah. it is very, very good advice. As always, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. It's great to have you on. Really loved our chat today. Thanks very much, David. Shame we lost John there. Yeah, uh, I know, I know. So it was just, uh, he's got to get, upgrade the internet. Everyone's at home at the moment. All right, mate, good to see you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Goshi. Bye-bye. Let's just recap uh, final five stocks. Um, uh, Both Carl and John, a yes on James Hardy. Uh, Aussie Broadband, a hold from Carl, um, a yes from uh, from John. Over the wire, a no from Carl. The same with uh, Top Shelf. He prefers Lark Distillery, um, uh, which is another listed company um, in um, uh, whiskey making in in Tasmania. He prefers that to Top Shelf. And uh, Pacific Smiles, a no at the moment. That's all we have time for. If you uh, Uh, have any stocks you want us to uh, put in front of our expert panel, put them in an email to us, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at ausbiztv handle. And you can check all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. They are all there for you to have a look at. And if you want a complete wrap up of what's happened in the day, you've been caught up doing something else, hey, you should be subscribing to the Ausbiz newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, you get all the updates on what's happening in startup world. You get a uh, link to the uh, the Close of Business uh, podcast uh, and also links to the most popular interviews of the day. So you can catch up with everything. Uh, subscribe ausbiz.co forward slash the COB. And joining us in the uh, in the next hour, Mark Watkin, the uh, the chief of Bike Exchange. Uh, it follows the company's record uh, quarterly results. So Mark's going to give us the team an update. That's uh, 1:45 Eastern, right here on Ausbiz. So a lot happening on the markets and in business news today. We're on the the cusp of reporting season, or, or the start of it. Uh, after Rio's great result today. So uh, you're going to keep ahead of the pack if you keep tuned in to Ausbiz here. Uh, More after the break.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.